This past Thursday, the Pew Forum came out with a survey that was rather disturbing, that over 35% of the Christians, evangelical Christians, actually believe that Jesus Christ is God in human flesh. This tells us that many Christians today still do not know what it means to hold a biblical worldview. That's going to be the focus on our Let's Get Real podcast today. What does it mean about having a Christian worldview, and that not only that, a biblical worldview? Let's get real on that question. And you are listening to the Let's Get Real podcast with Rob Lundberg. Thank you for tuning in this week. This is Labor Day weekend. And uh, there was a a survey that came out this past Thursday that was rather troubling. And I'm looking for uh, a way to collect the data and looking for a way to be able to present this. But let me just give you the general gist. And it said that 35%, according to the survey, this is the Pew Forum, which is one of those uh, survey groups like the Barna and Lifeway that are out there that do theology quizzes or theology surveys every two years. And what they found out was rather disturbing, that if you profess to be an evangelical Christian and you were one of these ones that was surveyed, and if you didn't hold to the fact that Jesus Christ is God in human flesh, you were a part of a 35% subset with reference to how many evangelical Christians are, are, are I guess, which, which, which you would say uh, sampled as to not holding to a very sound and very sound biblical teaching as the deity of Christ, that Christ was fully man and fully God. Well, we're not going to touch on that today. As much as I would like to, I did not have the setup for it, and I pulled down the survey, but I'm hoping to present that to you next week when we, when we come back. But what I want to deal with today, with everything that is going on in our culture, and understanding the issues of our day, even equally, if not yet, more disturbing is the fact that many Christians today, or professing Christians, do not hold a biblical worldview. Now, how, Rob, how could you say something like that? Well, I'll tell you how I can. When you have people today supporting social groups that have a, a Marxist-centered worldview, and then not only that, one of those social groups actually not only holds to a Marxist worldview, but they also hold to an occultic worldview through ancestral, ancestral African worship, where they go and they pray for summoning up this goddess or, or god called Wakisha. Now, there are Christians that are going and jumping on this bandwagon, whether they realize this or not, But what I want to do today, in the moments that we have, is focus on what it means to have a Christian or biblical worldview. 
Now, you've heard me share some things in the past shows, even with the Real Issue podcast, until we changed the name to Let's Get Real with Rob Lundberg podcast. Now, nevertheless, repetition is always a good teacher. But you know, when it comes to a worldview, you know, you have a worldview whether you realize it or not. And if you're a professing Christian, the question is whether or not now you have a biblical worldview. So what I want to do today is I want to be proactive, I guess, non-judgmental, but I want to present to you some things today with reference to a Christian worldview, as far as, you know, the, the essentials of what it means to hold to a Christian worldview. You know, you could say you're a Christian. I can say I'm a Christian. But if I don't hold to the teachings of Jesus, if I'm not a follower of Christ, which I am, I came to faith out of atheism over 40 years ago, and I investigated the resurrection of Christ. But you know, your worldview is very, very important. And you'll hear me mention those four or five questions of origin, meaning, morality, destiny, and being. I'll I'll probably mention those in in just a moment, just as a way of reiterating that those questions are very, very important. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to paint the picture for us, hopefully pretty clearly, of what it means when we say we hold to a biblical Christian worldview. So... By way of review, you know, a worldview is a set of beliefs that we use to understand the world that is around us. Everyone, you know, you and I, no matter who you are, you have a worldview and you have a set of principles by which you judge right and wrong and things that guide you in everyday life. You know, when you come up to a red light, you stop. When you go, you go at a green light, you leave a tip for the waiter or the waitress, and you try to color coordinate your, your clothes, your voice, your, uh, your voice order for food to a speaker box while you're sitting in a car can be interpreted by the other person at the end, the, other, the person on the other end of the, of the, of the speaker, and they could tell whether what kind of person you are, how you... How you um, how you order your food. And not only that, how you vote at the polls. And I know that we got an election coming up, This, and I'm not promoting a candidate or anything like that. Those of you who hold to a biblical worldview probably know who uh, I would be voting for, and hopefully you would be too. But so the, the question then becomes, why do we address stuff like this? Why do we address these things? It's because you and I are accustomed to doing them in a manner that is consistent with what you believe. In other words, you do behave according to your worldview. Now, your worldview also forms the basis of how you interpret reality. Your worldview is like a lens that you look through and how you see the world. Your worldview shapes your moral opinions. It affects what you believe about God, marriage, politics, social structures, environmental concerns, educational requirements, education, economics, and even raising kids and even what kind of foods to eat. It affects everything that we do because all that which is around you and I 
all of that which you and I must interact with must be interpreted and must be understood in light of yours and my worldview. Now, Barna, the Barna Group is a research group. It's a Christian research group. It's a polling group. And a while back, they did a survey where they said over ha- about half of all adults claim that they make their moral choices on the basis of specific principles or standard in which they believe. Other common means of making moral choices include doing what feels right or, or comfortable, uh, doing whatever makes most people happy or causes the least conflict, and pursuing whatever produces the most positive outcomes for the person. Now, I could give you the numbers, and those numbers change. So, like, 54% of adults, all adults that were surveyed, claim that they make moral choices based on their uh, specific principles. And, of course, you know, when it came to feeling right and comfortable, it was 24% back then. I'm sure it's probably higher now. And then uh, the, the decisions that cause least amount of conflict, 9%, and then 7% for the, the matter of outcomes. And I'm sure those numbers are higher as opposed to when this survey was taken. Now, we do have those philosophical questions that I do need to bring in here at this moment. And that is the fact that, you know, when you go and you look at your worldview, there are questions that are pretty fundamental. They're kind of like the building blocks, if you will, for your your worldview. These questions answer uh, the the, the answers to these questions, of uh, the following questions, are, are show you where your presuppositions lie. And, of course, they're philosophical in nature. You know, there's no chapter and verse from the Bible or anything like that with these. So whether you're a believer or not, whether you're a Buddhist, a Muslim, or a Hindu, these questions apply to everybody. Everybody. And that's the question of origin. Where do we come from? Meaning, what is the purpose for my existence and why am I here? Purpose and relationship is if there's a God, what does he want from me? Destiny is the question of what happens if anything happens after we die. You know, of course, we talked about uh, in, a, in a worldview show and not too long ago what, what some of that looks like. And the question of do we did we evolve or were we a part of special creation? And is morality subjective? So you have origin, meaning, morality, destiny, and then the question of whether or not what we believe about the beginnings and whether or not there's a God and where uh, what is our purpose for our existence and, you know, all of these things, how we relate to others, all of these things are very, very important. And as you answer these questions, as we answer these questions, then we're going to be able to determine our worldview based on, or our worldview, let me put it this way, our worldview will be determined or will be reflected in the answers and how we give the answers to some of these questions. Do you think like homosexuality is a sin or just an alternative lifestyle? Is abortion uh, right or wrong or, or is it a woman's choice or right? Should capital punishment be allowed or, or abolished? And where should more 
where should more energy be directed, either protecting the seals and whales or cutting down trees to build homes? Should people be drafted into the military? Do you vote Republican, Democrat, nonpartisan, or something else, or do you not vote at all? Do you think is that democracy is a better system than, say, like communism or socialism? Should prostitution be uh, legitimate business practice? Should we legalize marijuana, which, of course, you know, we know that some of the places in our country are already doing this. So we're, we're, we're seeing some of these things even right now. Should we legalize marijuana and other such drugs? And should marriage, between, be, should marriage be defined as occurring between one man and one woman for life? You know, whether you realize it or not, your answers to those questions are also going to be shown in your behavior and in your beliefs. You behave according to what you believe, whether we realize this or not, not what we don't believe. Now, I don't think there's anybody out there that will behave and make a choice based on what they don't believe. It just doesn't make sense. You know, I can recall having conversations with atheists who say that, you know, they have a lack of belief, but they believe that. They don't believe or disbelieve in God is what they're trying to say, yet they try when I try and defend the Bible as being true or the Christian God is the only God, they start to go sidewards and attack my arguments in order to disprove God's existence, which, by the way, they can't. None of their arguments are, are solid, and, and, of course, they know that. We know that. And of course, it is inconsistent to say that you lack belief in something and then behave as though you deny the existence of that belief. And without admitting it, their worldview didn't lack belief about God. It denied God. And there's no getting around it. Different worldviews do affect behavior, whether or not someone is aware of it. Now, since I've already mentioned atheism, let's look at that perspective for a moment of how an, how would an atheist answer the philosophical questions such as, how did we get here? You know, an atheist would, would say that we probably may have evolved from lower primates, of course, he would deny that God exists, and he would probably say that after we die, that you know we cease to exist. We just become worm compost or something like that. And since there's no absolute God, morals would not be absolute. Instead, they would be based on, say, like one's personal preference or whatever that works in society. The Christian, on the other hand would answer the questions differently by saying that a Christian would I'd say that God created us and created us in his image and his likeness and put us in the world for a purpose. That purpose is to bring glory to God and to exercise proper and responsible dominion over creation. A Christian would also say that when we die, we either end up in heaven or hell. Or, of course, a Christian would also deny uh, we arrived here via evolution and would also deny that morals are subjective. By the way, uh, when we talk about evolution, the numbers for evolution are seen by some folks from the Discovery Institute, uh, Stephen Meyer, David Berlinski, 
and David Galentner, who's a mathematician. David Galentner wrote an article and uh, essay that's also uh, talked about on YouTube by the Hoover Institution. And these three men, a theist, an atheist, or an agnostic, and an atheist mathematician, are now saying that Darwin's worldview is not lining up with reality. So you can catch that on uh, YouTube. I'm not going to put that on there, but if you do listen to the show, just look at uh, Meyer, Berlinski, and Galentner and talk about Darwin's mathematics not lining up. You'll, You'll find it not a problem. So now, here comes the fun part. What are the elements of a biblical Christian worldview? You know, Christianity is unique in that It's not so much of a religion as much as it is a personal relationship with the living Jesus Christ who rose from the dead. Now, if you have a question on that, you can go to my show on the resurrection last uh, Easter, uh, right around Easter time. But Christianity teaches a set of beliefs that form the basics of of a Christian's worldview. So let me just share with you some things. Number one, that an absolute we believe that an absolute God exists. If an absolute God exists, then it means that God is self-sufficient and lacks nothing. He's uncreated. He's spaceless, timeless, immaterial, personal, all-powerful, all-knowing. And if God is self-sufficient, then he needs no external cause for his existence. This would mean he is eternal, meaning he is without time. He's not timeless, but he's without time, eternal. That's what the Latin is of that. And if he's eternal, then God doesn't change. God also, secondly, created the universe. And if God created the universe, then he's all-powerful. And since it is obvious, uh, this obviously takes a great deal of power To create the universe, this would also mean that God is separate from the creation and not part of the created order. From the previous point that I mentioned to you about God's existence, this is where we see that God is absolute and unchanging. We could see that God's nature would be reflected in the created order as a painter leaves himself, leaves a part of himself, not leaving himself, that would be pantheism, but it leaves a part of himself on the canvas. So God reveals himself in the creation. Creation is therefore ordered, it's predictable, and dependable. This would mean that when Christians look into creation, they would expect to find a predictable, regular, and testable world. Now, the next one, thirdly, that man is created in God's image. And the fact that if man is created in God's image, then humanity doesn't matter. Red, yellow, black, white, green, chartreuse, it does not matter. All humanity is sacred. And this means that God, who is rational and intelligent, has impressed his image on the hearts and soul of human beings. Therefore, people can be rational and turn their attention towards the world, and since they believe that the universe reflects God's creative nature, they can have confidence to look into creation and expect not chaos, but order. 
they also can expect that since they are made in the image of God, they have the ability to unlock the secrets through good science, not junk science. They could unlock the secrets of the universe. By the way, speaking of science, I love science. I, I think science is great. But I want to let you know, I don't believe that science says anything, but scientists do. And that is a contemporary crack at some things that are going on even up 45 minutes up the road in D.C. So getting back uh, before I digress any, if also, if man is created in God's image, then all people are worthy of respect and honor because their lives are sacred. You know, this whole Black Lives Matter thing, I was referring to that as a social movement that's rooted in Marxism and into African ancestor worship. That's occultism, summoning the dead. Now, I want to let you know, I believe the statement is true that Black Lives Matter. I just do not agree, and I'm going on out on the limb here and telling you that I do not agree with the movement, though I agree with the statement. So when I say that man is created in God's image, and that when all people are worthy of respect and honor, honor this would mean that when a new life is formed in the womb, it is, a hum, it is human from the time of conception, and therefore I believe that abortion or termination of that pregnancy is also wrong. Let me also say that if we are created in God's image, then we did not evolve from lower primates. This would also mean that we have purpose, and we're not merely the result of random development through evolution that is supposedly guided by natural selection. Now, natural selection can be also seen from a theistic context, but I'm not going to get into that today. But for, the, for our talk today here, natural selection works on the theory of the survival of the fittest. People call that adaptation. And this would have a very harmful effect on society today if survival of the fittest is transferred into a moral principle. Now, I get it that we go and we adapt and all that, and that's maybe where survival of the fittest would be part of natural law. But when you start making that a moral principle, that is a huge, huge problem. It would be like the Hunger Games. I guess it's the easiest way to put it. It would, be, it would give justification for oppressing the weak and the helpless. That's the problem with making survival of the fittest a moral principle. Let me move on and say that man was given dominion over creation by God, and this means that all aspects of the created order on earth are to be governed by man according to how God has revealed himself and his will for us in the sacred scriptures known as the Bible. So when you talk about things like politics, medicine, art, ecology, society, economics, exploration, philosophy, mathematics, education, and so on, all fall under the domain of human responsibility, and that should be considered the considered realms for man to control under the wisdom of God and direction of God's revelation. And, and of course, the God's revelation is known as the Bible. I'll, I'll get to more of that later. But see, one of the things we need to understand that because of all of this, because of what we're seeing today, we're also seeing man as fallen. 
The fall of mankind through our ancient father, Adam, tells us that the very heart of every one of us has a predisposition towards sin. Sin is rebellion uh, against God. It is a reflection of our nature, our, our, our nature against God, and therefore it is rebellion against that which is good. Sin has not only affected man's soul and body, but has also affected his mind. And therefore, the Christian worldview would say that even at man's best reasoning is touched by sin, cannot be perfect. Furthermore, since man is sinful and his heart's intentions are predisposed toward wickedness, we can conclude that those in power are highly susceptible to corruption. Therefore, governmental systems should be developed within Christian principles in mind to help guard against that. In fact, Christianity did have an influence in the development of the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, and American government. Our founding fathers developed the judicial, executive, and legislative branches in which are there to exercise a system of checks and balances over each other. Why is this? It is because of the fall of man and that man has a tendency to gravitate toward that which is corrupt. And of course, I mentioned the very beginning of our show today that 35% of Many evangelical Christians today do not believe that Jesus is God in human flesh. But one of the things about the Christian worldview and a biblical Christian worldview is that Jesus Christ is mankind's only hope for redemption. Because man is fallen, he is in need of rescue from God's righteous condemnation, which is eternal damnation. And also, he has fallen. There is no way that man can by himself redeem himself. And therefore, Jesus, who is God in human flesh, died for us and rose from the dead, conquering sin, death, and hell. We receive his righteousness and forgiveness by faith. This basic theological truth means that Christians should be then sharing the good news, preaching the good news, proclaiming the good news, conversing the good news of God's redemption in Christ to all the world. And therefore, one of the most basic Christian principles today is promoting Christ by means by which we are made right with God. And of course, where do we find all that? Well, we don't find that in our own moral system. We find that in the fact that the Bible is the Word of God. And I'm going to close with this point uh, of our show uh, when we talk about the Bible, and then we'll wrap it up. Actually, i got one more thing after that. Of course, I've already mentioned the Bible, but the Bible is inspired. It is without error. It is the inerrant Word of God. From the Bible, we derive truths by which we can govern our lives. It is from the Bible that we learn about God himself, his created order. We learn about how God's triune nature is, that the Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is not the Father, but the Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. It is like the who is the what. And of course, we can get into that later. But see, the Bible reveals the will of God for mankind for family, for raising children, for proper behavior in society. And it is from the Bible that you and I can learn the direct 
will of God. Now I get to the last one, that God provides for his creation. God provides for his creation. It is from the Bible that we learn of God's loving provision for us, not only because of salvation, but also some of our needs. We know that God lets the sun and fall down on the just and the unjust. We know that God causes the crops to grow and the cattle to multiply. We know that though we live in a fallen world, God has promised that we he will never leave us or forsake us. Therefore, we can rely on God's provision for us and should have confidence that he will continue to provide for our needs. So there you have it, folks. You and I can see that these are the basic principles which form the Christian worldview. And there are more, I will admit, but these eight or nine principles, these eight or nine items are representative of the Christian of Christianity's perspective and truth about how it influences our belief and our action. And again, if you don't agree with any of the, some of these things and you are a professing Christian, number one, I would check to see if you really have a biblical worldview, I would also check your salvation to really check yourself as to whether or not you have been truly redeemed by God. And I know that's kind of a hard thing to say, but I believe it's the God's honest truth. Why? Because if you don't believe man is sacred and you're protesting, you really need to know the issues behind all of the, the things as far as why these protests are and understand that this social movement that I mentioned earlier, is not going to accomplish reconciliation. In fact, it is nothing but a vicious circle where revolution is hoped for, revolution as meaning change. So I want to let you know that. But see, folks, we need to go back to the Bible. We need to go back to understanding what the biblical worldview is, the fact that you and I believe that there's a God that exists, that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. Why? Because God created everything perfect, but man screwed it up. Man man trashed it, but Jesus came back to fix it, and he fixed it, and he wants us to live in a relationship with him so that we can know him and know the Father. Well, you've been listening to the Let's Get Real podcast with Rob Lundberg. Thank you for this week. I hope you all have a great, safe Labor Day weekend. And as you go out, as you interact with family, maybe around the cookout and you have this podcast, share it with your family members. And also, if you would like to support us, we will have a link on RobLundbergApologetics.com in the not-too-distant future where you can help us be able to get more equipment to do better podcasting, do videoing, and provide you with resources that you can take with you and use maybe in a teaching scenario as well. Our goal is to have equip you so that you can equip yourself and multiply yourself in others' lives so that you can train them and help them engage the culture in which they live. So until next week, this is Rob Lundberg from the Real Issue Apologetics Ministry and the Let's Get Real podcast and Let's Get Real YouTube channel. As you go out this week, go out and give them heaven, and we'll be back with you next week. Lord bless.